0: Hello and many thanks for joining us on Search for Truth with Brian Johnston, your Bible teacher. Today Brian begins a new series of talks which uh, may be valuable both on a personal basis as well as giving help to those who give a lead in developing other Christians, particularly those who may be new to the Christian faith. So whether you're a recent convert or you're an experienced church leader seeking to develop or mentor others, I hope you find the talks a great help. There'll also be a printed publication to go with these talks, and I'll tell you later how to get a copy. But now let's go to Brian for our first talk, where we start at the beginning, in the beginning of a relationship with Jesus.
1: Thanks. The Apostle Paul didn't only preach and lead people to Christ, he also invested himself in their lives. To see that, you only need to read in First Thessalonians chapter 2 where he tells us he was as gentle and fondly affectionate as a nursing mother in all his care for new converts. He really poured himself into the process of seeing them grow and develop spiritually. The words that follow are Paul's expressing his ambition for those who had come to faith this time at Colossae. He says we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. The stated aim of that verse at the end of Colossians chapter 1 is for each new Christian to become mature. It's something that's caught as well as taught from Scripture as we absorb the examples in the narrative of the Bible storyline. Where would Paul have been without Ananias? Or Barnabas for that matter? And where would Timothy, Priscilla and Aquila have been without Paul? This mentoring process is more than chats over a cup of coffee, although it will likely include that, and it's also more than the delivery of instruction. It's an intentional process of being nurtured in the new life which we have in Jesus, and it happens when we benefit from one-on-one interactions with a more mature Christian disciple who spends time in helping us to become nourished in the Christian faith. Obviously, it's two-way in that the novice Christian asks advice from the more experienced mentor, perhaps about such things as how to pray and how to read the Bible in a meaningful way. An important aspect of mentoring is finding someone who can be a positive role model for us. I never had any formal mentoring, sadly, but I definitely did single out one or two persons at different times in my formative spiritual experience, I would perhaps make every effort to be present when they were scheduled to teach God's Word. And at other times, unconsciously, perhaps, I allowed myself to be influenced by their values and even tried in some way to emulate how they live for the Lord. The Bible doesn't use the word mentor, but it has a word translated either as ensamples or examples. It's used to describe those who were positive role models, whose lives were worth copying, pattern disciples, if you like. Disciples copied from those people as you would copy from a pattern. They were those who set a good standard in behaviour and in practice for all aspects of the Christian life. Paul spoke of offering ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. You'll find that in Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 9. Now, how might someone who wanted to help a new Christian set about doing that? Well, surely it would be good to begin at the beginning reminding the person who's recently received Christ of what exactly it was that happened to him or her. And what was that? In the words of John chapter 3 and verse 3, and their Jesus' own words, he or she has been born again. Our friend has been born as a Christian, as that's the only way to become one. The natural birth of a child is usually a cause of joy to its parents and to all their friends. It's the beginning of another life. Another person is born with all the possibilities that life holds. The new birth is a greater occasion than any natural birth because it's the beginning of eternal life, life without end. When a child is born, its name is recorded in a book on earth. But when we are born again, our names are recorded in heaven. When a person receives Christ by faith as his or her personal saviour, the new birth takes place by the Spirit of God, in the person who believes what the word of God has to say about them and about Christ. Our new life has come about by our being identified in faith with Jesus' death. We did this when we realised that he died under our judgement. The death sentence he served on the cross was ours before a holy God. In his death we have our new birth. The Bible encourages us to understand Jesus as having been raised from the dead, and we with him. In fact, it says in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at the top of the chapter, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it's because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside anger, wrath, malice, slander and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. In other words, what Paul is saying is since we have new life in Jesus, through his death on the cross, we should now have newer and higher thoughts and ambitions, consistent with the idea of Jesus now being enthroned in heaven. In turn, this should lead us to having new desires and new behaviours in the way that we lead our lives, meaning we should decisively put to an end past practices that are unworthy of our new identity in Christ. When Paul wrote his Bible letter to the Philippians, he expressed his strong desire for them in the first chapter, that they should be able to discern what's best in life and decide to go after that with everything they've got. In the rest of that letter, his letter to the Philippians, Paul devotes space to helping them identify exactly what is the best thing in life. He shares his own experience as their mentor and he says this in chapter 3 and verse 8. I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus.' Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the New Testament word for to serve as a deacon can mean to wait upon or to serve tables. I began my latest time in the Philippines by sitting down to breakfast upon my early morning arrival. A waiter, previously known to me, approached the table I was sitting at and rather than asking, how are your eggs and rice? He asked, how's your relationship with God? The directness and openness of the culture there is refreshing. And that's a good question with which to begin each and every day of our lives. Christianity is first and foremost a relationship with Jesus Christ. We take the pulse of our own experience by checking if the deepest longings of our hearts are the same as those of the Apostle Paul's. Which was, That I may know him, he said. In a similar way, the Old Testament writer spoke of how nothing in his life compared to the Lord, of how there was nothing on earth he desired more than the Lord. And so Paul in the New Testament spoke of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. In that context, he spoke about forgetting the things that are behind how often we hear this quoted as a mere encouragement to move on from some negative experience, when in reality it's describing all the highlights of Saul of Tarsus' pre-conversion life. The things now lying behind Paul were honourable things in themselves and much prized by the world, but compared with the all-consuming experience of knowing Christ, they were like what we might scrape from our shoe when we've trodden on something undesirable in the street. In fact, that's Paul's thought and not mine. It comes out in the word that he chooses. That's the graphic imbalance between all this world desires and wars to own compared with the surpassing value of knowing Christ. We remind ourselves of how the apostles spoke of David seeing the Lord always in his presence. Only such a fine-toned devotional life will succeed in keeping us from temptation. Paul the Apostle was writing these words at that time from his prison in the capital city of the Roman Empire. And he was writing to what was a distant colonial city, the city of Philippi. It was populated by many retired soldiers who were fiercely loyal to the emperor of Rome. So the city of Philippi was a colony or outpost of Rome in its empire. Its citizens there lived by the values and customs of faraway Rome. Paul uses that fact as an illustration of the reality that we Christians are an outpost of heaven here on this earth. We should live by the values and laws of heaven and not by the fashion and opinions of the changing world around us which has largely turned its back upon God. Well, all that sets our compass in the direction in which we're headed. Our next step in exploring the Christian life will be to present the biblical case for total assurance of our salvation. Till then, take care.
2: All I once, how oh dear, built my life upon All this world years and wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted loss Spent and worthless
0: If you'd like to receive one of the books for this current series of talks, then please tell us and make sure to let us have your postal address. Ask for the title, Helping New Christians Grow. And if you like, we can put you on our mailing list to receive new books automatically as they come out. And if you'd like that, then just let us know. You can order by email or by post. And here's our contact details so you can make a note. Search for Truth, Haste Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. And that was a bit of a mouthful, so I'll say it again. It's Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now that's all the time we have now and thanks for listening once again and I'd be delighted if you could join us again next week for the next talk in this series but until next week then very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our musicians Irene and Jim and me John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.
2: All I want so oh dear built my life upon all this world And wars to own All I once thought